Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to another brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Craig Mish. Craig, after a night where the Marlins scored 11 runs, how are you doing on this Friday morning? I'm doing well. Looking forward, of course, to the weekend. I'm glad that we're able to record a podcast on a day that they win a game. You know, that's, yes. that's, that's <laughs> kind of the key here to to balance out a season you're going to have wins and losses over the course of the year and you always at least want to try and and do things on the positive side it's been tough so it was really good to see that last night and and Jeremy I hope you're doing well hope you had some uh, decent time off here happy birthday to you as well and it's good hey thanks thanks yeah thanks Greg I appreciate it uh yeah it was a good birthday and talking about what this last week has been though for the Miami Marlins it's really been up and down like you just said and when we discuss you know, talking about the positives and talking about the negatives. Well, going into this week, we were looking at the Marlins playing the Pittsburgh Pirates, hoping that they could maybe even sweep the Pirates in a four-game series. Well, they lost three out of four, but they took two of three here from Colorado after losing in Boston on Monday. They're three and five since we've last spoken. Craig, what are your general thoughts about what that last week has been like? Yeah, I, I think I pretty much laid it out last week what we would talk about this week, depending on, on the way things went. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it was interesting yesterday was, I don't know if people, you know, sometimes people, I, I do a show every day where I'm talking about odds and betting and, and things like that. And I, I'm not sure that people follow it that closely. The average Marlins fan probably does not probably for good reason. That was the biggest favorite they were in a game in years. I, I don't know how huh. long it has been, but but they were because I, I don't I don't I don't talk about betting on the Marlins on my uh, fantasy or betting show. I don't I don't do that. I just stay away from them. But they were like minus 200. That was the biggest favorite. I could go back and remember them being wow. a favorite in in um, in a long time. But so. So, yeah, so they they definitely took care of business against the Rockies. They won two out of three. They could have swept. I, I suppose you could look at it at, from from that direction. And, and I, and I think it was important at least that they won the series, but look, I I have to keep it real. Last week, I said that if they didn't come out and go like seven and one or eight and oh, or six and two, that I would have to sort of have a different opinion of where they're headed. And that's kind of where I'm at. It was Mm. a week where they clearly needed to do better against the pirates and they did not, I'm not going to hold them accountable for the Red Sox game because that was just like, I mean, you knew going into that one, it was going to be really tough, but while the games could have gone either way in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, the, the, the deep dark take here is that if you're fighting to beat Pittsburgh and you're fighting to beat Colorado, uh, you kind of have to look in the mirror and understand who you are. And and that, and that's fine. I never, I never went into the season thinking the Marlins were going to win 90 games but hmm. we're a little bit under two months now, less, a lot less than two months actually from the trade deadline. And my view on this at this point is with them being so far back of, of the wild card, like ridiculously far back and chasing so many teams and, and, and showing at this point that while they can be in every game against the good teams, they're unfortunately going to be in all these games against the bad teams too. And there aren't many teams worse, unfortunately, than them in the National League. I think that they have to be realistic as to where they are. And, and I think that un- unless something crazy happens, and it can, it's baseball, it, anything can happen. But unless they go on some streak, Jeremy, where they're 15 and three hmm. or 17 and four, something like that. And if it does, great. And then we'll have a different conversation. But until I see that, I think you get to the 31st of July. And I think in July, we'll be having more of the conversations along the lines of, 
who are they going to be trading? Who are they going to be keeping? Maybe who they will be acquiring for next year. That's just kind of the way I viewed it. It was a, uh, unfortunately an extremely disappointing series in Pittsburgh. You can't make any excuses as to who you have and who you don't have when you're playing the Pirates. Pirates have not won, Jeremy, since that series. They have not won a game since they played the Marlins. I mean, if that does not tell you sort of where they're at, that, that I, I hope that drives the point home a little bit. Absolutely. And we were having the conversation throughout this season as the Marlins were sort of hovering around 500 of could they keep this up? Could they be this team? And as they went on that losing streak, it sort of did put things in perspective this season. But you talk about the trade deadline, obviously one of the most valuable assets on the Miami Marlins as they will approach that trade deadline in a couple of months is Starling Marte. But you tweeted out just a couple of days ago that you had a conversation with Starling Marte, which first of all, how great to be back on the field, but you had a conversation with Starling about his future here in Miami. And obviously a lot of the folks listening to this podcast are interested in what Starling Marte had to say to you. Sure. And and I, and I want to kind of walk people through a little bit of the process of this. Normally I don't do that and I'll just play an interview and that'll be the end of the story. And and the, and the athlete or the person will tell the story this was a little bit of a different scenario for a lot of different reasons. I, I want people to understand that while I, I do feel like I have some really strong relationships within the organization, within baseball, Starling Marte is not one of them. Uh, I, I have not been in front of any player uh, since 2019 in, in September. Mm-hmm. That does not take away the ability to interview somebody on Zoom, but it's a lot different. There's nothing private. It is all out there. And it is exceedingly difficult to sort of warm up to someone without having that ability. So I, I, I kind of did a little bit of research before I did this interview. And, and for people who have watched Marte's interviews, uh, they have not been frequent. Um, and, and, when they, and when he has done interviews, they've all been in Spanish, all of them, mm-hmm. on all of the Zooms since he has come to Miami, at least as far as what I remember back at the trade deadline last year. But I was told that, Marte, that that Starling does speak very good English. And I was sort of, and not by the Marlins, by the way, but I was so, sort of told, hey, this may be one of those interviews that you may just want to talk to the guy because mm-hmm. uh, he may be more uh, open and willing to discuss when it is not in that format. He may have been just as willing to discuss if I would have recorded. I don't know the answer sure. to that. <laughs> so, so this was a different way that I chose to do this. For those of you who are like, where, why don't you just play the interview? I did not record it. I, I chose because I have not been in front of him to literally just have a conversation. So everything that we're going to talk about here is in his words. But I also want to make clear that uh, I did have and asked to have uh, Louis Durante, who was the Marlins translator, stand Uh, right by in case there was anything that was misunderstood and also so he could hold me accountable for any Mm. of the things that I talked about and I told Starling that as well everything that we discuss is going to be on the record I'm going to describe the interview and talk about the things that you said and please listen to it and afterwards if you have any uh, you know differences of what I said I will absolutely correct myself if that needs to be so I wanted to make that clear I don't ever talk about process of an interview but here we are It's a different day. It's a different time. And all of these interviews, because we're not going into the clubhouse, I am not the hero here just because I did an interview. Are the questions good? Do I pride myself on doing good interviews and and having that ability? Of course I do. The Marlins had to facilitate this interview to get this done. Okay. I want to make very clear on that. Without them doing this, I don't get to speak to the player. 
we're still in that day and age where we cannot go in the clubhouse and, and we cannot go next to them. Like we, we right. have to still be asked to that. So uh, the Marlins facilitated this interview. I requested it and they, and they allowed me to do this private one-on-one with Starling Marte. Okay. Now that all of that is over with, we can move on to the actual interview. So a couple of things, first of all, Marte was uh, very surprised when he was traded to the Marlins last season, but pleasantly surprised. He really uh, came over not knowing a ton about the organization, not knowing a ton about the players that were on the team. It was sort of like a feeling out process from the end of last year, but he said very quickly it became evident to him that the, t- that the team and the organization and the players that are with the team uh, are like a family. He used that word several times and he felt like almost immediately they took him in as a member of the family, even though he was coming from outside. Remember all the COVID stuff that happened last year. So he mentioned that to me and that was, that was first and foremost. Uh, and, and, and he also said that he appreciated his time here. Everybody has treated him really well. He said he talks to a lot of players, has a, his friends with a lot of the players. I think most people know Marte as a quiet guy. I think that that is probably fair. Uh, but these were all conversations of me and him just kind of going back and forth in English, by the way. We're, we're just talking. Uh, and, then, and, then the, and then the tougher questions, of course, begin because I want to understand kind of where his head is at. So uh, I asked him point blank. I said that we had talked to the general manager, Kim Ng, the day before. And Kim had mentioned that that she had not spoken to you or to your representative about a, a long-term contract extension. I said, is that, do you believe that to be true? And he said, yeah, absolutely. No one has spoken to me. No one has spoken to my re- uh, representative. And I said, and then I doubled down on that, Jeremy. And I said, okay, so to be clear, not just Kim, there's no one. Because again, right, uh, right. Yeah. Kim said she had not. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody else did in the organization. And he said, no, nobody has. I said, well, have you discussed it? He said, of course, I've talked about it with the guys on the team. Uh, you know, mm. we, we talk back and forth. It's, it's, it's baseball. These are players. We, we talk about different scenarios. What could potentially happen? And, and all of the scenarios that, he's, that he told me pointed to him wanting to stay in, in Miami and him wanting mm. to be here. He, he said to me several times, that he would like the organization to begin those conversations and to approach him or approach his representative uh, about staying in Miami long-term. And then uh, from there, uh, a number of different questions were asked in between uh, Jazz interrupting me about his t-shirt, which is funny, but uh, (laughs) regardless of that, so so the next conversation is obvious because Jeremy, July 31st is coming. Right. And 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 certainly if they don't talk before then, and by the way, contract negotiations for people who don't really know this, they usually start a long time out. Like they usually don't start like the day before right. and then get done. Like <laughs> right. that almost never happens. <laughs> like these things go back and forth and back and forth and language and all this kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. we're approaching the time where it's almost impossible, by the way, for this to get done. Like it, this is going to have to get started now if it's going to happen on the 31st. And I asked, would you be disappointed if you were traded uh, on the 31st, if, if, the, if this is the way that things are going and the team is, you know, sub 500 and decides that they're not going to, uh, they're not going to keep you. And he said, of course, I would be really disappointed. But mm. he also said that he understood that this is part of the game and part of the game is being traded. He was traded, I mean, at the deadline a couple of years ago by Arizona and by all accounts, he liked it there. Right. And, and then he was, and he was chosen here. What is my opinion? I believe he likes it here more than he liked it in Arizona. It's nothing against Arizona. It's just the sense that I get 
uh, from speaking to him. And, and then it was a little bit more of a complicated conversation, but we extended it to the point of free agency. And, and sort of uh, the, the question that I, that I did ask him is, is I said, well, it sounds like you really want an extension now and you don't want to go to free agency. And, and he really said that he doesn't mind if that is the case. He understands that that's part of the game. But the opportunity to sign now and get that done seemingly mm. to me feels like it would give him comfort and it would give him stability. And he would know, and he said to me, and he would know that this would be the, you know, maybe his last contract. This would be the end of his career. He could retire after playing in Miami. And that's what he said mm. he wanted to retire uh, to play. I mean, I mean, who knows? Players change their mind. He could play till 40. He's in great right. shape. But he said that he wanted to end his uh, career in Miami. I also asked in terms of that, is the looming CBA a factor in that? Because I think that for a lot of players, as we get deeper into contracts, there is the notion that there could potentially be a lockout mm-hmm. and what that could do to free all free agents, Jeremy, is a very fair conversation to have. And he sort of stopped for a second. Like, I, like he kind of like, I don't, I, I, my sense is, I don't think he's thought about that. Sure. But when I brought it up, it, you know, it, it, it kind of like, I, you know, he looked at me for a second and thought, well, you know, maybe, but he didn't really have a strong comment on that one way or the other. But I believe that all contracts for players who have expiring contracts at the end of the year, I, I do believe maybe that's somewhat of a factor to know that you're not going to have to go through this, this process, because in some years free agency has been great. Just ask Machado, just ask Harper, <laughs> just ask, you know, some of these $300 million guys. But again, they signed in February. And, mm-hmm. and for some players, it is not great. They have to struggle. And we, and we saw what happened. And again, look, Marcelo Zuna is, is down a path that, is, that we cannot even discuss here on the show. But in terms of right. his contract, remember, Ozuna signed very late with the Braves after struggling to get a long-term extension from mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that sheds some light into the, the conversation that we had. Uh, hopefully that is enough to make people understand <laughs> what is my opinion. My opinion here is I am not being used. I've been used before. I have gladly been used in, in football <laughs> before. I, I I know when when I'm saying things that, uh, you know, that are that are that are agent speak or player speak or organize. I, I understand. I don't believe that is the case. I believe he would like to stay here. I believe he would like the Marlins to approach him uh, in terms of a long term extension, and I don't know that that is that that is going to happen. I'm talking for a long time, so let me close it out by, <laughs> say, by saying by saying this. What because the next question is so you know because I get this now. So what do you, Craig? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is right. going to happen? What do you think is going to play out? Okay, so that's that's probably what everybody wants to know next. What I think is going to happen, and I don't think a lot of people are going to want to hear this, but this is the truth. I I think Marte is not going to be traded on the 31st, and I don't think he's going to get a contract extension. What I think is going to happen is I think that knowing the way that the organization likes to do business and knowing the way that uh, Marlon CEO Derek Jeter likes to do things is I think that he thinks that they're still in it. And I Mm. think that he thinks that even on July 31st, if there are a few games out, it is not time to dismantle. I I think that's what's going to happen. Whether or not you guys are listening agree with that, I'm not sure. I I don't think that they're going to abandon ship on the 31st. Some people will like that. Some people will say, ugh. They got to move forward. They got to understand where they're at. Look, that's up to you to decide that. So what does that mean? It means that Marte, at the end of the season, the Marlins will have a choice. If they don't extend him, which is 
unfortunately what I expect. They have the right to uh, offer him what's called the qualifying offer at right. the end of the season in terms of free agency. Now, what that number is, I'm not entirely sure. It could push around, let's say, $20 million. Let's just say on a one-year deal. Sure. And that sort of puts the ball in Marte's court to decide, should I go to free agency? Should I try to get, I don't know, three years, $40 million, $50 million? Or do I like it so much in Miami that I'm just going to take this one-year qualifying offer, stay here, get the money, and then go back potentially to free agency the next season? Now, you know the way the agent, Jeremy, is going to go on this. There's no way he's going to want Marte <laughs> right. to accept that qualifying offer. But inevitably, it is the player, and he's the one that's going to have to make the decision. Contract-wise, even though Azuna's a little bit younger, uh, th- th- this feels the same. Th- this feels mm. like maybe Marte declines the the qualifying offer and then Marte becomes a free agent and then unfortunately in that scenario Jeremy I think the Marlins would get outbid by somebody else Starling Marte services so you simply would be counting on loyalty you would be counting on uh, something that a player said about wanting to stay and that is not a realistic way to go about doing business and to and to Mm. think that a player is going I have seen this play out time and time again and 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 some and the agent goes to Starling and says, Starling, listen, I know you love the Marlins and I know you love playing in Miami, but buddy, I got the Indians here and they got fifty million dollars right. for you to play center field. And I'm just saying, like, I mean, you know, or forty million. Like, I mean, I got you know, and, and the Marlins want, and and then the agent says to Starling, Star, listen, if they liked you so much, they should have offered you, and you know, and all those conversations right. start to happen. You know, this is what happens. I, I want people to understand that. And, and they can, and a player can be influenced as he should. So why go down that road? If you're the Marlins, why not just approach this now and say, Hey, like, what will it take? I mean, could we give you a two years? Like, I mean, right. would that work? Like, well, why not even open up these conversations? Well, the reason why is because if Marte declines the qualifying offer, what happens? Marlins get a first round draft pick. And yep. if they covet that draft pick more than they covet some of the other things that we're discussing, I think that you may have the answer there. So my 10 minute, this uh, <laughs> my 10 minute diatribe on Starling Marte officially comes to a close. I believe he goes to the end of the season. I believe they offer him the qualifying offer. What happens from there? I'm not sure. Is there a chance he would accept it? Yes. Is there more of a chance he would decline it? Probably. And then Miami's in a bidding war, you know? Jeremy with these other teams, you know, the, right. you know, the, the, the Seattle Mariners, right? Like, like these teams right. are all of it. Like, do you think Miami's in the only position of a team that next year is going to all of a sudden want to win? I mean, you're kidding yourself. Exactly. I mean, there's going to be four or five teams next year that are going to go, okay, time to spend like the Blue Jays. <laughs> T- time, right. time to go. George Springer, uh, Marcus Simeon, here we go. Right. And does Miami really want to get into that war hmm. with those teams? Oh, that would be a horrible decision if that's the case. I'm not saying it's right or wrong to keep Marte. But to just have this, this this assumption that they're going to outbid guys is foolish. So that's the Marte story. Start to finish. Oh, man. Well, there's so much information there, and there's so many different ways to approach this. My biggest thing is just looking at Starling Marte and the type of season that he's having. He could not be having a more complete season when you talk about a player both offensively and defensively and the way he anchors that outfield. I mean, obviously this version of the Miami Marlins cannot really thrive without him. And so you hope that he's able to be around next season. I've so enjoyed watching him play and, and the professionalism. I mean, he's such a complete hitter where 
he he shows off the power at times. We saw it last night, but he's a hitter who happens to have some power. And that's that's really special to have right there in that number two hole with the speed, with the defensive ability in center field. So yeah, and I also want to thank him for trusting me and, and giving me the ability to tell the story too, because he has to, without really knowing me, he has to be able to do that. And and so uh, I definitely want to thank him for that. And and yeah, I mean, he hmm. would he would like to be talked to. <laughs> he would like yeah. to. That's the sense that I got. I mean, I I mean, listen again. I've been used before, and then all of a sudden something comes up, and and then we hear that they offered him all this money, and he turned it down. Of course, those things are possible. But I really got the sense, especially right at the end of the interview, <laughs> that he really would like someone to approach him. Yeah, you know, that's that's the sense that I got. Well, and I'm sure, obviously, you will have all the top coverage on Starling Marte as we move forward toward the deadline and through the rest of the season and beyond. Because clearly, if they do keep Marte beyond this trade deadline this season, we will have all of those further conversations to be had about qualifying offers or long-term extensions moving forward. But Marte does lead the Marlins into this weekend as they uh, go up against the Atlanta Braves. Before we get to that, I do want to touch briefly on the Marlins captain, Miguel Rojas, where we sort of need to figure out what's going on with Rojas and, and where he's at in terms of his injury. Craig, do you have any sort of update as we are headed into this weekend? Yeah, I have no update other than the other day on Zoom. I asked him, uh, but I, I do want to mention this too, because it is along the lines of Starling Marte. And I want people to understand more of how baseball works. Like I've been mm. doing this a long time. I, I don't think that people really fully on, and, and hopefully that Marte uh, soliloquy there kind of <laughs> explains to you a little bit how baseball works. And I want to talk about how baseball works also with Miguel Rojas, hmm. because there is no question at this point that he is since 1993, he is becoming one of the most popular players in Marlins history. There, yes. There's no doubt at this point. He is there. Is he the best? No, but he is on the list of most popular. I mean, is he Jeff Conine? No. Is <laughs> he, uh, you know, in terms of, of skill and talent and MVPs, is he Stanton? No. Is he Lowell? No, but, but he is there. Like he is, yep. he is in the discussion for that, which makes these conversations so difficult because his contract's up too mm. at the end of the season. And he has an option for next year, which will pay him $5 million. Uh, I would say to this point that Miguel Rojas is has lived up to every dollar that he's been paid on and off the field with the Marlins. I, I would venture to say that Miggy is worth more yep. than his option for next season. Now, Miggy is saying all the right things, of course, that he wants to stay in Miami and he wants to play with the Marlins long term. But another dangerous road that you go down with a player where now I'm, I'm not sure if his option is going to be attainable. I haven't done the math on that, but he needs 500 plate appearances. And, and at the end of the season, here's the easy scenario. At the end of the season, the Marlins go to Biggie Rowe and say, you know what, even though you didn't hit your, uh, you didn't hit your, uh, your marker on the 500 plate appearances, sure. what we're going to do, Jeremy, is we're going to go ahead and we're going to give that to you <laughs> for next year. We're going to give you the $5 million. We want you back for, for another year. And look, Miguel Rojas, everything that he says, he says he wants to be here and he says he wants, he may just say, okay, and take that one year and be done with it. But are we sure? Like, right. are we sure that is the case? And by the way, what would Miguel Rojas do for the Yankees right now? 
And mm. what would Miguel Rojas do for a team that's trying to win the World Series? He may put a team a right now over the top to win a World Series. He is that kind mm-hmm. of player. It is a tough decision that they have to make on yeah. July 31st. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a another tough decision. And everyone is shuddering yeah. right now saying, oh, my gosh, how can this possibly be? How can you even think of letting Miguel Rojas go? Or or not or trading Miguel Rojas on on the thirty first. Okay, so let's play this scenario out too, just like we did with Starling Marte. Oh boy! And let me play a scenario out that happens all the time in Major League Baseball, all the time, every day, all day, every season. At, on July thirty first, the Marlins do they they keep Miggy Rowe. Everyone is happy. Oh, thank goodness, the Capitan he is back. He's going to be with <laughs> the whole entire season. Fantastic. Okay, so now they got Miguel Rojas, and at the end of the season. Uh, you know, Kim Ng and Derek Jeter and, and Bruce Sherman, they go, oh, Miggy Rowe, here is, we, this is, we, we want to congratulate you. Here is the $5 million, the option. Go ahead. Here's the paper. Sign it. Let's move, let, let's, let's move forward and let's move on. And then the phone rings. And, oh, who's, who's on the phone, Jeremy? Oh, it's James Click. It's the general <laughs> manager of the Houston Astros. Oh, well, psh, I mean, I oh, guess we got to. I guess we got to take that call. Just, you know, I mean, Astros, Miggy's probably saying, no, I'm happy in Miami. I don't want to go anywhere, you know? Okay. And James Click says to Miggy's agent, you know what? We've been watching Miggy play for five years. We think that he is a leader. We would love to bring him in. We would love to, I mean, Carlos Correa, he's gone. We're letting him go. It's it's done. We don't have a shortstop here. And we value Miggy, I think more than the Marlins do. In fact, we would like to double that offer that the Marlins have, and we would like to offer Miggy uh, two years and $18 million. Mm. And then all of a sudden, the agent calls Miggy and says, hey, these guys want to pay you a lot more money than the Marlins are, and they just, they're offering you to, you know, to give you your, your option here. And Miggy probably said, oh, I want to be here. You know, is it? All of a sudden, Miggy starts thinking, huh. And then James Click calls back Miggy Rowe and says, Miggy, I just want you to keep this in mind. We play in the ballpark of the Palm Beaches in West Palm Beach. You are going to stay in South Florida in January, in February, in March. All you got to do is play the next two years with us, five months a year. In fact, any rehab you have, Miggy, you could go do that in West Palm Beach, right by Mm. your family. And and as a Mm. matter of fact, what we'd like to do is offer you a suite as well at the ballpark of the Palm. So you could bring uh, your sons. You could bring them to the game. It's yours. And, and, and we were really looking for a team leader here. You know, we've had some issues here in the past. Oh, boy. This is what we're looking for. Okay, so this is baseball. This is how things work. And you cannot hold a blind eye to the fact that Miguel Rojas could be gone too. Mm. So when you get to the 31st and you see a player traded or you don't see a player traded, the, this is the dynamic of understanding the value of players, what they can or cannot potentially do and make no assumptions about the future for any player within the organization. It is a business in the end. Will the Marlins do right by Miggy Rowe? I don't know, but they certainly could tell him right now, Hey, sign the deal. We want, we want to do this deal for next year. These are all things that can happen. And the slippery slope is the waiting game. And this organization has chosen to play the end game at the end of every season before doing anything. They have not given out a long-term extension to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but on the 31st, there are going to be some really hard decisions that are going to have to be made with Marte, with Miguel Rojas, and if they're fortunate enough, some other players that are on the team as well. And I just want people to understand 
that this is what goes on in baseball. If you think that it is unthinkable that they could move Miggy on the 31st because of the scenario that I just painted out for you, which does not exist. Right. It is a possibility. And I want everyone to be prepared for that possibility because it may be the right choice that the Marlins are making at the trade deadline on the 31st. And that's my fake story on Miguel Rojas for people to understand (laughs) how things work. Craig, while I appreciate all of the information you've just given us, every single person listening to this has a blood pressure that is double what it was when they entered this podcast as Marlins fans are listening and thinking about everything that can happen through the rest of the season. But this is the type of stuff that's really important for Marlins fans to be thinking about. This isn't as simple as the NBA trade machine that we see these rumors flowing out. Oh, you'll get these prospects and you'll do this and you'll do that. And we'll make these trades and those There's long-term conversations that are already being had here at the beginning of June about things that will happen at the end of July at this trade deadline. And the way that these next series go for the Marlins will indicate what their moves need to be as we do approach that trade deadline. And so... As we head into this weekend, let's talk about the baseball side of things. The Marlins somehow were only three games back of the Atlanta Braves for third place in the NL East at the moment, as everybody in the NL East seems to be struggling. The Marlins obviously eight games under 500, but they head into this weekend series against the Braves. Craig, what are your thoughts about what can happen on the field this weekend? We've talked a lot about the off the field stuff. Yeah. And by the way, those conversations are, are meant to you know, sort of show people what the value is of locking mm-hmm. up your own players to long term extensions. Because when you don't have any of those, you're faced with these scenarios every yep. single year. You don't have to have 10 guys locked up, but you, you, at some point you don't want people like me having to have this conversation. And, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what you can do by locking up your guys. Mm-hmm. OK, so as far as the Braves go. The, the Braves have struggled. There's no doubt about that. We, we alluded to Ozuna and the horrific incident that he had that's likely going to put him out for a long period of time. Soroka never got healthy for them. And Darno, who just, just crushed the Marlins last year, he's out too. Yep. So uh, they've had issues with pitching. They've had issues with hitting. They've had issues across the board. But they still, of course, have Ronald Acuna Jr., hmm. who has, has given the Marlins uh, quite a bit of fits. Again, this 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 series this weekend, I'm not throwing any gauntlet down. They have to win this out of this. I've given you my thoughts on where I think they're at. And and unless something significantly changes, I expect a fun series. I expect the Marlins to be in all three games. I do. I think that there's a good chance that they are fighting with these guys for three games because they (laughs) fight with everybody. They just haven't come out on top in a lot of those scenarios. So, uh, you know, Rogers was used uh, in the Rocky series. So. You know, I was thinking maybe that they would push him back. Uh, honestly, Jerry, I thought that they may really? push him back to give themselves that Rogers, Sandy, uh, I, I think it would be Pablo, Rogers, Sandy, Pablo. To that would have like, been great. One punch at the Braves to see what they yeah. could do. I thought they'd beat the Rockies anyway yesterday. This guy, sure. unfortunately, Chi-Chi, just not Ooh. very good there. Uh, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, so so I, I think they got a, a shot. They got Morton Friday night, so good pitching matchup. I think Max Fried is, is pitching one of the games too, maybe Saturday so. or Sunday. They they look they the Braves and Marlins have played highly competitive series, close games. I expect no less. And and yeah, I mean certainly they could win two out of three. They could win all three. They could get swept. There, there's just such a wide range of scenarios playing out with all this. It's good news that Adam Duvall is out, of course. Why, why, why everyone seems to just be realizing who Adam Duvall is like, it's just mind blowing that they have, it's so uh, has, funny. Has no one watched it's this guy so play? Funny. 
I mean, I've been talking about this for months and months. Like this. Yeah, is exactly we we had this conversation the day we signed. Oh, gets really hot. Oh, really? Like when you signed him, did you not know that he's going to carry you for a week and then nothing, and then in June will carry you for a week and then nothing? Right. This, is exactly, this is what he did with the Reds. He hit. I think Jeremy. He hit. I want to say like twenty-five home runs April, May, and June with the Reds at the All Star break. Right? Like he hit that many. Yeah, there then, was a year like that, and then he did nothing. The, yep. the second half of the season. It's like, it's crazy. And and Duval hates talking about this, by the way. Try asking uh, Duvi about being a streaky hitter. He'll, like He's the nicest guy in the world, but he'll give you that. Oh, no, I'm not streaky. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> these, we've seen this play out now. So right. he's hot. That's a good sign. I'm throwing out the game, honestly, against the Rockies. Uh, you know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it was just, I, they just pummeled that poor guy. And, and they'll be up against it. But uh, yeah, I mean, more interested, of course, when they go back on the road, they play the Cardinals who've been struggling and, and the Cubs have been fighting, playing a lot better mm-hmm. than I thought. So, you know, as we go along, we have a much better idea of where we're at. Again, the trade deadline is on the 31st. There are not as many games as you think going into the 31st. There is that time off that they have for mm-hmm. the All-Star game, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I believe Thursday. So in order to show that they're in this thing, it's got to be a massive, sick, crazy run of – you come up with the number, Jeremy. What do they got to do? They got to go – Yeah, I mean, it, fe- 20, it feels – yeah, like that's, that. like, it's so funny you say that. I literally was about to say 15 out of 20. It's got to be something like that, and especially against division opponents like the yes. Braves, where you, you got to be able to catch up on these teams that ultimately – and we've talked about this. We talked about it a little bit before the podcast, before we started recording, but these are the types of teams that will purchase at the deadline and try to make themselves better because they are in win-now mode. That's across the NL East. So if those teams are right there with you, they're going to be the type of teams to try to make moves to compete what will the Marlins do? That's the big question. And if they're in it, like you said, they could stick with these guys and try to make that run. But if they don't start winning a, a chunk of games now, a significant chunk of games now, they won't be in it come the end of July. Yeah, and really good point there too, as we talked about before the podcast. Very important point that the Mets and the Mets and Braves, probably the Phillies, uh, I'm not sure about the Phillies. I think so. All buyers at the right. deadline, all buyers. Fighting, fighting with the Marlins four players mm-hmm. at the deadline too. <laughs> so you yep. have that also to deal with. Don't they? Oh, Marlins should buy at the deadline. Well, guess what? The other teams in the division are going to be doing the same exact thing. So you have to be like tied or cl- like really, really close to feel like you have a shot there. And and look, hopefully they'll get there. We'll see. But I, I think that I think that's a good analysis here. Twenty games, fifteen and five. Show that you deserve to be in it. If that happens, okay, let's have a different conversation. If not, let's just realistically talk about their assets, who they should be trading, focus a little more on the draft that's coming up too. Right. We'll do a podcast on that as well. So by, by no means is the season over. I'm not saying that. It's just, I, I felt like the, the kick in the stomach against the Pirates. It, it's mm-hmm. Honestly, it's been really hard for me as, as somebody who covers the team to come back from that thinking, my gosh, like that, that just happened. So uh optimistically wise we'll see what happens this weekend and jeremy we'll check back next week yeah luckily i didn't have to watch that pirate series is that was the time i took off for the birthday weekend good good timing on my part uh it is all controversy uh morton tonight we obviously don't know who the marlin starter will be in between and then it'll be lopez and smiley on sunday with max free throwing saturday for the braves so this three game series coming up obviously we all believe the marlins need to start getting on that winning track now let's see if they can go on this 15 and 5 run over the next 20 through the rest of june but marlins fans thank you so much for listening to this 
episode of Swings and Mishes. As always, go and read David Fernandez's work on swingsandmishes.com. Subscribe to Swings and Mishes in Espanol with Danny Alvarez and Oscar Prieto. And follow, refollow, and then write a review for our podcast here, Swings and Mishes, powered by Blue Wire Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. Enjoy this weekend of Marlins vs. Braves.